Welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, I am your host, and joining me for this episode, I have a very special guest that I'm going to introduce to you in just a couple seconds. But first thing, I just want to remind everyone that the Cult Film Companion Podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms. If we are not on a platform of your choice, please message me on Twitter or Instagram at Cult film comp c-o-l-t-f-i-l-m-c-o-m-p and let me know and please join our facebook page we love to hear feedback from our audience and our fans and get movie suggestions from you we are also a member of the blind knowledge collective at www.blindknowledge.com which is a great website to check out interesting and entertaining websites from around the world uh podcasts and video casts that cover a whole array of topics, so please check out all the fine creators at blindknowledge.com. The Cult Film Companion Podcast is also a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that captures the latest trending articles from around the web and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. So download and use Newsly for free today at www.newsly.me and please use the promo code C-U-L-T-F-1-L-M, cult film, drop the I, pop in a one, and get a month free of Newsly's premium service. And with all that out of the way, I'd like to introduce my very special guest for this episode, Sean from Cheap Seat Reviews. Welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Please just introduce you, yourself and your podcast to my audience so we can get a little taste of uh, what they can check out with your show. Sure. So I'm Sean Allred, the host of Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. We are a film review podcast, uh, mainly streaming movies. We've been doing this uh, as, the night, as we sit here and record. We are two episodes away from 400. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. We've been doing it a while. So, uh, yeah, check us out, cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com. There you can find all of our links and things. So I'm going to be dropping this episode probably at least a week from now. So can you tell people what, around this time if they're listening, what might be in store for them if, they, if they're checking you out for the first time? So if you're listening to episode... Uh, Anything other than episode 400, it's just a typical review podcast. We just we review, uh, st- like I said, streaming movies, new, old. Uh, by the time this episode airs, we will have aired our, uh, let's see, Gross Point Blank was uh, a few weeks ago. Beer Fest was recently, and we recorded last night, as of this recording, um, Port Noise Complaint, which is a very weird movie. 
uh, from I, the seventies, based on a book. Okay, I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I've never even heard of that movie. <laughs> I hadn't. I hadn't either. Oh, okay. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, most people hadn't. Our guests were big fans. Well, fans is the wrong word. Our guests were <laughs> okay. uh, knowledgeable of the book it was based on and thought it would be fun to do. Yeah, it's a it's just a weird seventies look at a man's exploration in his sexual ad- adventures. All right. Well, I'm going to have to check that out because that has certainly piqued my interest. Because if I've never even heard of a movie, especially something from like the 70s based on a book, th- that's when my ears kind of start to prick up. That sounds like something that uh, I'd like to check out, regardless of, of quality. So please, um, all Sean's information is going to be in the episode description. So please check him out. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his show. Please show him some love. And um, I'm very happy to have him here to discuss with me um, a, a bona fide cult classic at this point, uh, action movie, Hard Target, from 1993, starring the one, the only, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and this is John Woo's first foray into Hollywood movie making. Um, it's basically... Uh, it's. <laughs> It's not the most original story. It's based on the book uh, from decades, decades ago called The Most Dangerous Game, which is uh, essentially man hunting man, man versus man. And it's been done uh, many, many times throughout the history of cinema. Up until even recently, there was a movie a couple of years ago. I can't think of it right now, um, but there was a bunch of people being hunted they they woke up drugged and they were all being hunted um but uh we're talking about hard target that was released august 20th 1993 it was written by chuck pafar p-f-a-r-r-e-r i'm sure i'm butchering his name directed by john woo starring jean-claude van damme and as his uh, nemesis, his antagonist throughout this, uh, the wonderful Lance Hendrick Hendrickson. Uh, the movie was shot in about seventy-four days and had a budget anywhere between eighteen to twenty million, and delivered at the box office with seventy-four million. Critically, it was actually better, well received than most Van Damme movies. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind, and. During the course of production, um, due to the the language barrier and the working relationship that Sam Raimi had with uh, Universal, uh, going back to Darkman, uh, he was actually on set for a lot of the production of this movie. And there's some Sam Raimi-esque moments that we'll, we'll talk about. But that's a bit of the background about the movie. Sean, what's your... Um, do you remember the first time that you saw this movie, by any chance? Oh, of course. Yeah, it was about three days ago. Okay. All right. And uh, general thoughts, what did you think? Uh, So, yeah. So when when you proposed a handful of movies for us to do, this one stood out because I hadn't seen it. And it's one of those, like, 90s action films that's on my list of shame having not seen. And I I like most of John Woo's American films. They're all pretty, uh, pretty fun to watch. Uh, I don't really love Mission Impossible 2, but it's, you know, I, I it's, it's fine. serviceable, uh, yeah. 
but uh, I just, yeah, it's just somehow I missed this one. And so I was excited to watch it. So, yeah, just kind of my overall impression, it's it's just a 90s as shit kind of movie. You know, it's right. just, you know, it's a lot of uh, Jean-Claude doing, you know, it, it's in a time where, especially in, in, in American action flicks, where when you kick a person, they're dead. You know, like they, they just fall down and they don't get back up. And um, th- unfortunately for this movie, we've seen a lot of a lot better martial arts movies since then. Uh, uh, bef- uh, before this and since then. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, anything starring Jackie Chan is better than this. And, uh, and uh, anything that John Woo did well previous to this, he did um, some really badass Asian cinema with uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Chow Young Fat, I believe this is his name. Yeah. Um, um, but um, yeah. So I, I I misunderstood your message. I thought this was on your guilty pleasure action movies. I didn't know that this was on your list of movies that I had not seen. Yeah. Yeah. No. This was uh, this was a first time viewing for me, and uh, I I was uh, I was just kind of having fun with it. It was uh, just there's a lot of little memes that I've seen throughout uh, based on this and other just other little references primarily jean-claude's uh mullet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i i think the most notable meme from this movie is him punching a snake right in the face yeah yeah when he slaps the <laughs> snake it's just a strangest thing uh, uh question so you haven't seen this before do you by any chance know which cut of the movie you saw uh i don't i whatever was on Whatever, whatever video I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, okay. I think it was on Prime. Um, so I don't know. I didn't know there were multiple versions. Yeah. So I only have the original theatrical cut, which is ninety-seven minutes. There was an uncut international version that is a hundred minutes, and then there's a director's cut that is a hundred and sixteen minutes. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure which one you saw. I can't ask you a question that might answer it, though. In your version, was there a love scene between Jean-Claude Van Damme and that woman? No. Okay. Then you either saw the theatrical or the director's cut. This movie required dozens and dozens of cuts to be submitted to the MPAA before they allowed an R rating. They were they kept slapping it with an NC-17. Really? Yeah. And the only thing, I mean, I'd like to see some of the uncut violence, but um, I'm kind of glad that this movie didn't do something that is very typical of action movies of this time and pretty much of any time, Uh, a forced romantic, I mean, there is some sexual tension, there's some, like, lusty gazes, there's some hugging... But um, I'm glad that there isn't, like, this nonsensical sex scene that takes place when they should be preparing for, like, the final act. Kind of breaks up the flow of the movie, which apparently is in the director's cut. That's one thing that I'm kind of glad that this movie didn't do. Um, And, um, yeah, other than that, there's a lot of uh, John Woo-isms here. A lot of slow-mo. Uh, two-handed guns, uh, the doves, of course, we can't have the, the doves, 
Oh yeah, gotta have dubs if you're gonna have John Woo. Slow mo yeah. dub too. Sl- of, well, of, and I've noticed, I noticed upon rewatching this because I've seen this movie several times. I saw this was something that I rented. Uh, I was far too young to see it in the theaters or, or rent it when it first came out. Uh, but I kind of went through a Jean Claude Van Damme phase, as most adolescent boys do at some point in their angsty early teens. Um, I, he's a, a, a step up from Seagal, in my personal opinion, but, you know, he hasn't quite reached the the action accolades of Schwarzenegger, Stallone, but uh, I always uh, I always dig a good Jean-Claude Van Damme flick, and I gotta say, upon rewatch, I, I this is one of the, his better movies, in my personal opinion. He's done better. Um, he's actually shown his range as an actor as an actor, did you by any chance see the movie JCVD? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a very meta role for him. Uh-huh. And it's probably, it's actually his most critically acclaimed movie. It's got very, you know, like critics actually liked it. And it kind of shows uh, his acting range. So that's something to check out. But as far, were you a Van Damme fan growing up? Yeah, a little bit. So like, so like when you go to his IMDb page, the four films he's known for is uh, Double Impact, Double Team with him and Dennis Rodman, and uh, and Mickey and Mickey Rourke too is in that flick. Yeah, well, I I actually owned that on VHS. Uh, at, at one point in my life, and uh, it's not a bad movie. I've seen. Worse. I really liked it for some reason as a kid. Like you know, just seeing Dennis Rodman being weird. Dennis Rodman was just was just fun. I don't know why. In the nineties, for some reason, athletes were doing a lot of movies. I'm not sure why, but it just was a thing. Um, because you got like Shaq was doing a movie, and then Steel, Michael Jordan yeah. did space did a thing. Yeah. yeah, I just it just felt like athletes were doing a lot of stuff. So anyway. Uh, but yeah, you know, Kickboxer, I mean, my dad let me watch Kickboxer when I was like 13, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, I kind of was a fan kind of growing up. Uh, I would probably say more of a Bruce Willis action guy uh, in my pre-teens and teens years. You know, the, the Die Hard films, things like that were probably more of my jam, but these were pretty good. Right on, right on. Um, so... Uh... But as far as, where would you say, would you say this is a top-tier Van Damme, middle-tier, lower-tier Van Damme, in your opinion? Um, I think as far as what he's done, I would say this is probably top-tier of yeah, his. I'd agree. I, I think it's pretty good uh, for what it is. I don't think it's, like, if you put it, if you, if you line it up against other action films of the decade... I don't think it's like a top ten kind of thing, but oh, if you, no, no, no. <laughs> but like in, if you're just looking at his movies, I mean, I'm just scrolling through his. I mean, he's got a bunch of credits, but uh, JCVD. I mean, he's got 76 credits to his to his name, but yeah. you know, this is above things like The Quest and Double Team and Southern Death and that Street Fighter ab- abomination and right. Um, I forgot he was even in Last Action Hero. That's funny. Um, uh, he played himself. Oh, he's he shows up for like ten seconds. Um, yeah, yeah. There is that. It's there's that scene towards the end of Last Action Hero for the film premiere, and there's a whole bunch of celebrities there. Yeah, um, and he's yeah he's on screen for like 
10 seconds. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I have to agree. Uh, I mean, the most... I mean, my biggest criticism about Van Damme in this movie is uh, just the mullet, actually. Um, I, I'm kind of glad... Because upon rewatch, I remember, I'm like, oh, no, he's Cajun. Is he going to try, like, he's got enough, no offense to the man. I mean, English is not his first language, but he's got enough difficulty with the English language that if we're trying to throw a second accent on top of that, like, I could uh, just imagine the marble mouth that would be coming out of here. Um, And I kind of wish that maybe they didn't make uh, him Cajun. It didn't feed into anything other than his... Uncle Duvet, played by Wilfred Brimley, who is clearly not Cajun, doing a god-awful accent. Like, yeah. I, I, I kind of wish that that was... And I think that's the kind of thing that um, a, a more polished John Woo kind of probably would have put the kibosh on and said, you know, there's no reason for this. I'm sure it was kind of something in the script. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of showed up that way. Um... Did you, uh, just a bit of trivia, and I'm not sure if you know or the listeners know, the opening um, the opening scene of this movie, we get to see the game where um, Lance Henrik- Henriksen runs this, this, I don't know, it's a nameless corporation company that basically provides for the very wealthy the, the opportunity to hunt a man. Um, they provide you with... Um, airtight alibi they'll take care of the body they've bribed the coroner's office so there's not going to be inquiries they screen the people who they're hunting um of course this this protocol goes completely out the window in our third act and the, the there's just like a group of people hunting van damme but i mean it's i mean that's the kind of thing with this movie is you just kind of have to adjust your expectations if you're going in looking for, like you said, kind of like a mindless, if you're just like in the mood for a cool early 90s Van Damme flick, this is going to be right up your alley. If you're looking for an all-time action classic, this is not that film. If you're looking, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something really, really heady, um, something to really kind of like think about, again, this is not your your film. Do you want to, if you want to see Lance... Hendrickson like chain smoking cigarettes, pretending to play the piano and chewing the scenery. This is great. I mean, I mean, Lance Hendrickson, he's been in some real crap, but uh, to me, he never, I mean, he's, he's someone that can kind of elevate mediocre material to a little bit higher, uh, caliber. So, um, he's definitely a well, a welcome in, in this movie, as far as being an antagonist, uh, again, um, I, I there was no need for Wilfred Brimley to try to have a, a Cajun Creole accent. That's just kind of blah. Um, <laughs> speaking of yeah. '90s movies, this just I this just I um was just thinking when we when I was rewatching this movie. Did you ever see the movie starring Ice T called Surviving the Game? Uh, no. Okay. That's basically this movie, except Ice-T is being hunted. He's a homeless guy that gets kind of... and I'm not sure... That must have come out a, a year or two after this, but it's very, very similar. This is definitely um, better. 
but speaking of John Woo, I think off the top of my head, he's only done five American movies. Uh, this was his first. There was um, Mission Impossible 2, Face Off, Broken Arrow, and Paycheck. I think that's it. Um, uh, Wind, Wind Talkers is an American. Oh, okay. I thank you for uh, Nicholas Cage. Right. So there's, I think there's six. Um, how would you uh, of the ones that you've seen? Just, just speaking of the Hollywood movies, because he's done so many more and so many better movies. If you really want to see John Woo in action, check out something like Hard Boiled or. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Hard Boiled is just one of my favorites. Um, off the top of my head, but how would you personally like rank in terms of just the American movies? How would you where would where do you think Hard Target ranks in in comparison to those other ones? It's an interesting. Uh, I was thinking about that actually because, um, I mean, Face Off is great. You know, it's 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 ridiculous and fun, and it's a check your brain at the door. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 has the big budget of, you know, the big, you know, paramount backing of that. So, uh, but I, I really like movies. I really like Wind Talkers. I think Me it's too. a good war movie. Um, and it's a neat story, if you've mm-hmm. not seen it, um, about the Navajo Native Americans who were uh, like code talkers during during the Japanese invasion. Because Japan kept cracking all of our codes and so we said well we, we need to use a language that they don't understand and so they use the navajo language to help um break the code or not break the codes but to maintain codes they couldn't right. understand what the the language they were, they were using and so that's a re- and that's a real thing too so i mean it, it, oh, yeah. i'm glad that you brought that up because when i was doing my mental list of the john woo movies i for some reason i thought somebody else had directed that but that is a, that is a great movie and um and thank you for reminding me of that but um please go on when doggers yeah and well i mean honestly if you take nicolas cage out of that and put in any other guy from that era i think it's a better film he's not really good in it but adam beach is really good in it and yes that's a movie now another one that i like which is you know you know i like paycheck i think it's really? kind of a fun okay. film and uh you know the ben affleck and uh, I can't think of anybody else that's in that movie right now. Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of a neat concept. I just I like the idea of it and what it is, and it's kind of a murder mystery kind of a thing. And um, I don't know. I like the uh, I like the story behind it. So maybe not his most critically acclaimed ones, but it's kind of one of my favorites. And I also really like Broken Arrow. I just I you know what I'm glad you said that because I was yeah. about to say. I think that's kind of underrated, and I think it kind of gets overshadowed by Face Off because they're like, "Ooh, John Woo, John Travolta, immediate or John Woo, Nicolas Cage," and everyone immediately defaults to Face Off. And I think Wind Talkers and Broken Arrow kind of get overshadowed by Face Off, which, like you said, it's a fun movie. It's a very fun concept. I I personally think it's a little overrated, but you know that might be controversial. But um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but please talk talk a little bit about Broken Arrow because I I happen to be a fan of that movie as well. Yeah, Broken Arrow came out in '96. I was a freshman in high school. This was a movie that when it came out on video, I watched probably four or five, nine times. It just there was something about seeing Travolta as the bad guy, and 
you know, that there's a there's a nuclear bomb underground and there's like all these I don't know, it's just kind of a weird movie. It's just a fun thing and oh it also had another football player as an actor. Um uh Howie uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Raider. Yeah, yeah, I know uh Oh, it's gonna bug me now. I, know, come... I can't think of his name. But anyway, he so I could picture just, his just... I could draw I could describe him to a sketch artist right now, but I can't yeah, I'm looking it up. But okay. anyway, yeah, he was, it's, it's just a good time. It's just, it's, and, a, it's a ridiculous thing, so go watch it. A, yeah, something else that I think gets... Howie Long. Thank you. And for some reason, I was about to say Howie Mandel, and I was like, nope, that's yeah, not it. That's not it. <laughs> um, I mean, Face Off gets a lot of, has a lot of memes made of it, and there's a lot of quotable dialogue in Face Off, but I think... Travolta's got some really quotable lines in Broken Arrow. He really seems to be having a fun time playing a bad guy. And I'm on board for it. Because, yeah, it's over the top. But again, um, there's no... I, I guess John Woo has just kind of put the kibosh on, well, if there's no reason for there to be like a sex scene, then there's not going to be a sex scene. Uh, immediately, like like a forced sex scene that just seems kind of out of place um, with Christian. Unless there is, I know Christian Slater's got that the female park ranger along there's, with. Him. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, there's 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 I no, don't even. Think, yeah, there's not even kissing in that scene. No, that movie. I don't, no. I don't think. Um, the only like because I'm I'm trying to think uh, off the top of my head of an example of like where it just like. Okay, you're being chased by the bad guys. It's about to be the third act, the big conclusion. And all of a sudden, they're just, like, getting naked and getting to it. Um, the only movie that I think... I, I keep coming go, going back to The Terminator, but there's a very necessary reason for their sex scene. So I'm going to... That's, that's a terrible example. But I... I I can't think of it, but I'm sure it's in a lot of Van Damme movies, actually, that all of a sudden this this woman that he's probably, like, spurned him on several occasions throughout the film, all of a sudden they're getting getting down with it. But um, back to Hard Target. Um, so, yeah, they had Sam Raimi kind of, like, on standby for um, John Woo, and there's a couple... Uh, camera shots that remind me of um, Sam Raimi and um, there's just a couple, there's some scenes of, like there's some dialogue, some kind of like kind of weird kind of just kind of like kind of out there lines that kind of seem Raimi-esque to me and huh. um, to really hammer home the fact that Sam Raimi was uh on set behind the the scenes, his brother Ted Raimi, who cameos in a lot of his movies, um, is actually in this in this film. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that when he he's being uh, harassed by one of the uh, one of the victims, I guess, and he, he's trying to get away. Ted Raimi is, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? This isn't a, a Sam Raimi thing, right? I guess it yeah. Um, and yeah, I have issues <laughs> with that scene in particular because for this elite, very secret, obviously because they're hunting people, which is 
probably one of the most illegal things that I can think of. Um, they're hunting this one guy who was helping out Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I'm, I gotta look to find, because this actress, we should probably give her a name. Oh, the actress that's helping him out the whole time? Uh, uh, Yancey Butler. Yeah. Um, who, I built this was her, uh, this was also her, uh, Hollywood theatrical debut. I think she's Lithuanian, and... Anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's this one guy, and in the middle of the movie, uh, he, he was trying to help them out. Yancey Butler's looking for her father. Um, her father is uh, killed in the opening scene, and um, her father is played by the screenwriter Chuck Fafar. And I, I want to say um, that he was a real-life Navy SEAL. Uh, I could be completely mistaking him from somebody else, but I think that's accurate. Um, he's been a consultant on on movies before. He's written books. Yeah, he was a former Navy SEAL he, uh, team commander. Okay, so I was right. All right, so I'm not yeah. not just making <laughs> making stuff up here. Uh, I, I think he's got a couple screenwriting credits to him. Uh, I know he's got a couple books. Um, to his credit, too. But he plays her father that's killed in the opening scene. Anyway, uh, yeah, my issues with the scene where this this one guy is being hunted is that I was really digging the scene. It's very, very cool. They're they're hunting him through this, this cemetery at night through New Orleans. And that the scene in the cemetery is very cool. The guy that's hunting him kind of wings him, doesn't kill him. And... Uh, then the guy kind of loses his nerve, and um, oh, it's worth noting. It, it it is important to note that they pride this this organization prides themselves on only hunting former military personnel, so that these people that they're hunting actually have a fighting chance. Um, so they're hunting this guy in the cemetery. He gets shot. Uh, the guy loses his nerve, doesn't want to kill him. And then when the guy gets the opportunity, uh, the hunted becomes the hunter and he, he doesn't hesitate and kills the guy that's, um, hunting him. But then he shows up like on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And for a guy who's got a belt of $10,000 around his waist... Um, I, my first instinct would be not just to run or walk around bleeding on people saying, help me, help me. I'd start throwing hundred dollar bills in the air. That's going to get some people's attention. But then again, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I thought that too, that, that scene kind of hit that, that I've kind of bumped on that scene too, because he's, he's running around, he's asking for help. People are ignoring him because he looks, well, he looks homeless right. and he's bleeding. So what happens is probably what would actually happen. So when he goes up to the store owner and the store owner like pushes him out, he should have been like, I'll pay you a thousand dollars to let me in. Right. Uh, and then the guy says, well, then show me the money. He's like, okay, here, yeah, like a thousand dollars. Let me come inside and call nine one one. And, and then the part that really annoyed me is that when he just gives up, right? Oh, he just yes. in the and then again, this secret organization fires 5,000 rounds of ammunition down bourbon street Kidding no one else? Are you kidding me? There'd be there'd be bodies everywhere. 
I mean, huh? that's the that's the thing. Like, I hate that he just gave up. And then, like, the salt on the wound is that you're trying to keep a low profile, and you've got professionals. These should be professional. They should be reasonably good shots. Get your best shooter. One shot straight to the head. Let's not try to cause too much of a commotion. But no, everybody unloads on him. And, I mean, that to me, I was like, I mean, those are the kind of things that if you made some swipe, Slight little tweaks to this. I think that you have a much better movie, and that's something that I was like, um, uh, really? Also, I don't know if this was the editor's call or John Woo's call. John Woo is known for his slow-mo scenes, and I like them in moderation during action scenes. But did you notice there's some very odd slow motion scenes here? There's a scene where someone's being loaded into an ambulance and it's in slow like they it's in slow motion. And someone's like they're getting like there's a scene where Yancey Butler's like getting out of the back of a car and it's in slow motion. And I'm just like, really? I mean, this is this is where you're gonna put your slow motion in, like, I, it, like if Van Dan's doing one of his stunts where he's doing like a spinning wheel kick and knocking a guy off a motorcycle. All right, let's slow mo that. But somebody being loading loaded into an ambulance does that justifies slow mo? It just seems like I said. I think that this is um um uh, it was recently did an episode about a first time director and this kind these are the kind of things that i think not that john woo is a first time director but he was a first time hollywood director is the first time working with um english speaking actors and english speaking crew so i mean these are the kind of things that i think that he got a little bit better in his um in his career in in hollywood movies but um you know, so what are some of the things in this movie that didn't work for you, other than the scene that I uh, just deconstructed? Um, yeah. So, so when he's when he's when he goes to see Wilford Brimley, and he's uh the the thing that made me kind of laugh is when he he walks in and he goes hey you know do you still have the 30 out six he goes no but i have this shotgun of course my first thought was boy that 30 out six would be way more handy than a shotgun but they they treat that shotgun like a damn sniper rifle in this movie so then well the 30 out six got eight, eaten by a gator <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a dumb line i mean just don't yeah. even tell me about it right Maybe. i mean i guess it was supposed to be funny but it, it didn't make me laugh it was just all i could think of is that's a better weapon to have in this moment but that's it's fine uh so the the whole when the, all the guys show up and and wilford brimley is you know he's home alone his his place up and he's using some bow and arrow and he's taken you know three or four five guys out and rides away on a horse and no one can hurt him Okay, that's fine, but the part that really kind of annoyed me was when they get in the helicopter and they're shooting at him, every shot that they shoot, like, explodes. Like, the ground is exploding. And and I know it's the 90s, and uh, the phrase we use in our podcast is, uh, things are made of explodium. It's <laughs> I just, like this. It just <laughs> randomly explodes. Right. Like, the trees and the, the swamp was made of explodium, because 
Van Damme's running on this on this horse, and stuff is like exploding behind him, which really annoyed me. And then he's hitting, he's shooting that shotgun at that helicopter. That's, I don't know. I mean, you would hit somebody at a hundred yards, but like, he wouldn't be that accurate. It's just again that that stuff just kind of annoyed me. But, um, I don't know. A, a lot of the stuff was just it was okay. You know, there, no, nothing really stood out as being overly whatever right i mean the 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 playhouse the the finale at the end was again kind of ridiculous but i didn't care it was at that point i'd given up on trying to use any kind of logic so i was just in it for the ride right and that's the thing i mean one of the things i do have to commend this movie is that it's never boring it 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 doesn't drag and uh, it's something that you kind of see happen in in certain action movies is very similar uh plot not place well plot places like scenarios i mean we've got fighting in in a in a street we've got fighting in a swamp fighting at this cabin and then like you said there's I mean, the set pieces are actually pretty good. The production design for this movie is um, top-notch. I mean, yeah. it's an interesting set piece to have, like, the, the finale, the, the last fight in, um, like, this Mardi Gras warehouse. So I kind of dig that. But as far as the explodium goes, I love that phrase, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, at the very least, what I do appreciate about these kind of 90s movies is that you're actually watch like, Wilford Brimley's house, you're actually watching, like, this set that they designed blow up. And I dig that. Like, I dig the fact that we're watching something that was constructed solely for the purpose to eventually be blown up. And I... I like those practical effects. I think they're they're very refreshing in, a, in an age where CGI has um, has taken over. And I mean, it, this is the era of, of course, when that house explodes. Um, actually, this is prior to the house exploding. When he just fire, like when he first kind of sets fire to his the area around this house, we get this prolonged shot of a a, a guy fully ablaze. And, and covered in flames. This guy is yeah. just murdered. And and you got to you got to think that this, this you know for people that don't know from this era, uh, we're talking about an actual stunt man that's wearing some like flame retardant you know costume and some flame retardant um, material all over his skin. But this guy, they actually set somebody on fire for this this stunt. So um, the other stunt that I really liked was when Van Damme was on the motorcycle. And he's he's like he's he's chasing down this the van I think and that's when he stands up on top of the motorcycle. Right. Like, they have a shot where you see the motorcycle and the stuntman. It's from behind, so it's clearly not Van Dam. But like you can see him. There's a guy doing that. There's a guy standing up on a motorcycle, and I thought that's a cool stunt. Yeah. Now obviously when it when it cuts to Van Dam shooting with the guns. You know, it's it's a motorcycle that's attached to a trailer, and it's very secure, and you know all that. All he has to do is just stand there. But like, there was a stunt man that did that stunt. I thought that's actually pretty cool. So, 
and the and then the 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 stunt of them crashing it into the van again that was real i mean somebody right. went over the van again it was a stunt man it didn't look anything like jcvd but yeah. you know whatever it was still a cool stunt so i'm i'm here for it right yeah and in 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 this era of uh the Fast and the Furious movies where the stunts are so ridiculously over the top that it's the majority of it is, you know, done by computers. I I, I like going back to watching. I mean, some people consider, and I, I am one of them, like practical stunt work is an art form. I mean, how many people, like, like you said, there's an actual person standing up on a motorcycle, like driving this motorcycle, like... How many of us can do that? I mean, I'd ask for a show of hands, but this is an audio podcast, and that would be a ridiculous request. But, I mean, those kinds of stunts, you don't see as much of that. Not that it isn't done, but you don't see as much of it nowadays. And, yeah, like, I'm here for those kinds of of stunts. And um, so, yeah, this movie did, did... pretty pretty good um it was better critically i mean van damme has never been a critic's darling and he probably never will be but i mean this movie was was kind of praised for its its action sequences and and rightfully so um but just because it's the cult film companion podcast i'm gonna ask you first and then i'll give my answer um, of all of Van Damme's works, why do you think something like Hard Target has reached a level of, of, of cult status where some of his other movies around this time have not? What what do you think, what are the elements that make this um, a, a cult favorite among, among fans of action, John Woo, and Van Damme? I think it's just a combination of like this movie feels like it's better than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, where where it's like, yeah, this sequence is dumb, or like, like I, I took notes, and one of my notes is, why did the lady come back at the end fight scene if all she is is a liability? Like, I don't understand. Like, if she went to call the cops, which there's no payoff there, sure, right? It's not the cops ever show up and help, but. Just, she should just stay there. But when she shows back up with Wilford Brimley and she gets a gun and kills somebody, Brimley, like, yells at her like he's like she's his daughter. <laughs> and uh, he's like, give me the gun. Give me the gun. I'm like, she did her job, right? She she got a gun and then she killed a bad guy. Like, why are you yelling at her? Um, but, like, I think, to answer your question, though, I, I think that it, it gets its, its status because it's, because it's kind of ch- cheesy, because mm-hmm. it's... Because the story is simple, because it's just it's just fun and it's pretty good action and like we said, the stunt work is good. The the gunplay is ridiculous. Every gun has unlimited ammo and mm-hmm. uh, if John you know, if JC I mean he probably racked that shotgun five times in this movie where no shell ejected. <laughs> so that means that the the weapon is empty. Yeah. And and he must have done that he probably did that five times in this movie. Or I thought like like he's trying to be a badass and he racks the thing and I'm like but there's, it's empty, and what is that? It's doing nothing for you. So, um, but you know I just I think it works because it's just fun and 
I think the story is actually good enough because, so like, when I take notes, I ask questions to the movie, and then so if the if the movie answers the question, I go back and fill in the answer. Oh, so okay. So like when when the coroner says uh, he was burned alive, I thought, what kind of terrible coroner can't tell that he was stabbed with an arrow first? Right. So I wrote that note like this is even in the 90s, like corners weren't this bad. And then we find out that because it's because the corner has been paid off to lie. Right. To falsify the death certificate. Like, oh, good on you, movie, for not making the corner to be terrible. He's just a bad person. Right. But um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I just I think the movie is smart enough to, to do what it needs to do. And and I think the reason why it has a cult kind of following is because of Wilford Brimley's bad accent and because of the mullet and things like that because it it shouldn't work but it does right um yeah you know you you touched on a couple of points here that I was act you know to bring up as far as a cult status it's like are there quirky elements that you wouldn't be like you don't find in other action movies y- yes you check the box for uh an acclaimed actor doing a terrible Cajun accent, Wilford Brimley, checkbox. Do you have Lance Henriksen, you know, kind of hamming it up and chewing the scenery, checkbox. Do you have a period of time where Jean-Claude Van Damme has grown as an actor a little bit, um... And hasn't quite reached the coked out Van Damme of the later later nineties that is kind of checked out of movies. Yes, he actually, <clears throat> excuse me, he actually seems to be trying in this movie, which I I, I like. And he's got some very kind of uh, he's got some good lines. He's got some good one liners here, here and there. Um, <clears throat> are there just odd? bizarre things thrown into this movie that seemingly have no purpose. Yes. And this, this little scene immediately, (coughs) sorry, I'm still getting over COVID. So, uh, that seemingly have no purpose that kind of come out of nowhere and have no pay, payoff that were interjected by Sam Raimi check we've got this scene in the police station where yancey butler is going to file a police report on her missing father and the officer that she is brought to has a cake for herself for her birthday that is she is celebrating by herself with a lit candle that when yancey butler sits down to talk to her what does she do with this cake with the lit candle, does she blow it out? No. Does she open up her desk drawer, drop that little cake in with the candle still lit? Yes, she does. Does the desk start smoking? You bet your ass it does. So, like, it's those little things that I think kind of put push it up from a mediocre action forgettable movie to something that has garnered a cult reputation. And like I said, this movie is extremely, extremely similar to Surviving the Game, which was released around the same time starring Ice-T, which 
does n- was not as well received and does not have the cult following that something like Hard Target does. So I I think that you kind of hit that you you hit several nails on the head right there with why this movie is a, is kind of a, a just a little, you know, it's a step up from your standard 90s action Van Damme flick and it's going to get remembered over the the period of time and I mean, like you said, uh, anybody else with this mullet? I I don't know if I'd take them as seriously, but there's something about his character that, like, I I, I kind of look at him and I'm like, yeah, this guy would definitely be rocking a mullet in 1993. Uh, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm guessing this is around the same time that that Billy Ray Cyrus achy breaky heart song was oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah was all over the place yeah so if you kind of want to see Jean-Claude Van Damme rocking uh, a Billy Ray Cyrus haircut kicking some ass in New Orleans I mean this this is a great great flick um any other I, I'm, I'm curious what other were there what were some of the questions that you asked yourself when you were taking notes that didn't get answered by this movie uh, just some dumb things like uh, I did mention. Uh, you you, already, you just hit on it. I wrote down she's smart enough to be a detective, but dumb enough to put a lit candle inside of her, uh, her drawer. There. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. This movie has lots of gay jokes. So you can tell it's the nineties. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, the um, I did. I, I did mention earlier. Like, why did she come back if she's such a liability? The upside down shooting gun with the finger bit was kind of dumb. That that annoyed me. Yeah, um, it, it just annoyed me. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I said, oh look, it's the guy from the Mummy, and he's the bad guy. Uh, we haven't really mentioned Arnold uh, Vosloo. Yeah, uh, Arnold Vosloo. Yeah, yeah, he's who, great. Who looks like? Yeah, no disrespect to him. I'm just gonna make a bad joke. He looks like if you put Billy Zane in the microwave for five minutes. Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, uh, observation there, but yeah. Uh, oh, uh, just an interesting Sam Raimi link, Arnold Voslo, uh, who's, who is very, very good in this movie, and he's got a very interesting quirk. Did you pick up on this? He always says uh, someone's name three times. Did you catch up on that? No, I didn't. Okay. It's... It, I, it, it's probably something that I, I noticed from, because I, I've rewatched this movie several times over the course of decades now, so it's one of those things when I rewatch a movie, I, I'll pick up on something. But yeah, he's got this little quirk where he'll he'll say somebody's name three times. Um, but he's really good as like the number one henchman um, in this. But uh, Sam Raimi Link, uh, in the two direct-to-video sequels to Darkman... He took over the Liam Neeson role, so I wonder. I, I'm not sure when those directed D, uh, directed DVD movies came out, but I wonder if it was be through this relationship with Hard Target. But um, yeah, Arnold Vosloo is uh, great in this great in this movie, and yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up something like that. That like. Yeah, this movie's a little bit smarter than I initially gave it credit for. Like like the thing with the coroner, like there is there is a reason there. And I think a lesser movie you would have just been left with like, 
oh, it's just a, like a, like what is this? Like the guy's first day on the job as a coroner, like he can't pick up on these sorts of things. But the fact that he's being paid off by Lance Henriksen and stuff, like all that pays off. And I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I also like the way that, um, like and respect. It's a, it's a dubious practice, but I like the way that they kind of find their their victims here for the game. Is yeah. that um, and they talk about it like they've been all over. They do this all over the world, and they find little places where they're able to kind of infiltrate, where they're going to be able to find certain people. And they know that New Orleans like has a high homeless rate. They found a coroner that will who who they'll be able to to pay off. And um, what they do is they have this this sleazy pornographer that hires homeless people to pass out. You know his uh, I don't know his pornography newsletter or whatever the hell they're passing out. But that's kind of how they find people and like they, you know, they look at people at the mission and that kind of stuff. So there, there is, um, there's enough of the story here that it, it's fleshed out to the point where is it believable? Realistically? No, but for an, a, an action movie, is it believable? Yes. You know, it, it doesn't, it, we're not, suspending our our level of disbelief here to the point of absurdity so i i I do kind of like the fact that they fleshed out certain things like that yeah yeah definitely and i i like a good middleman bad guy who just gets you know crapped on by everybody it it is it kind of cracked me up where it didn't matter what happened you know uh jcvd's beating him up and you know voslo comes and cuts off part of his ear and then would eventually shoot him in the face with a shotgun i mean like yeah, I don't really have any sympathy for him, but I just it's it's just kind of cracks me up that you know you have these like middle, uh, these little lower tier henchmen that just get crapped on by everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it's kind of like the uh, it's a little bit of our comedic relief, and um, you're gonna have to refresh my memory. The the gay jokes. I can you name one of the? I'm trying to think of that. So there's so JCVD at one point says to. Gosh, uh, so like when the five guys or four guys are trying to uh, harass the uh, Natalie, uh, one of the guys is like, you know, pulls a knife out or whatever, and JCVD looks at him and just goes, "You might want to go get your boyfriend," and you know, whatever. Like he he makes a boyfriend joke and uh, somebody else. There was another one where it was another one was like, "Hey man, why don't you go get your boyfriend and we'll uh, whatever." And I was like, "Really? Okay, that's fine." But eh, it's the nineties. And there, there. I guess you could interpret it as a, a a slightly homoerotic scene where Jean Claude Van Damme is giving the the uh, middle bad guy, the overweight pornographer, a a quick neck <laughs> neck and shoulder massage before threatening him. <laughs> there, yeah, I, there is some, uh, yeah. The, but I mean, again, like you said, it that was like the, the there are far worse things being oh yeah 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 it's a product of its time i mean right. they didn't they didn't use the f word or anything like that so it was fine which i was surprised uh if you go back and rewatch bill and ted's excellent adventure they dropped the f word in that pg-13 movie so really yeah there's a scene where um it's the scene where one of them 
is in a suit of armor and falls down the stairs, but it turns out he's he wasn't in the suit of armor. And then they hug, and then they immediately jump back, like, oh my god, I can't believe we just hugged. And then they both go, you know, say the F word to each other. So, wow. uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I said, product of its time. Um, but I would say that in comparison to certain to certain movies that have aged like like milk out in the hot sun, um, this one I think is relatively tame. Um, yeah, it is. Any final thoughts for Hard Target? No, I just thought if uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, uh, I definitely would suggest you do it. It's just a good time. Just go check it out. If you like a good 90s action flick, this is something to check out. It's a good time. And you saw this on Amazon Prime? I, I lied. It wasn't Prime. It oh. was somewhere else. Let me let me double check to make sure. Okay. I was going to say. From hard. Because Amazon Prime is one of those things that I have but i always forget when i'm looking like when i'm watching a streaming site i always yeah. forget to check that i have amazon prime i i need to so i i i actually watched it on tubi t-u-b-i that's what i watched it on great site for some some movies so yeah people that haven't checked out tubi free plug for tubi check out tubi yeah check out hard target with van damme sean thank you so much for joining me oh thank you for having me on this was a blast excellent well i hope that um I can have you back at some point in the future. And uh, just one more time, let everyone know about Cheap Seat Reviews and where we can find you. Yeah, again, Cheap Seat Reviews, uh, you just go to cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com. There you'll find links to all of our stuff. We're uh, mostly active on Twitter, at Cheap Seat Cast. Uh, but we're on all the social media places that you can you know, want or look for. And uh, we're on all the major... Uh, places where you you know buy your podcast so go check us out cheapseatreviews.com great and of course i will have sean's twitter and um website in the episode description again sean thank you so much and again to my audience thanks for uh checking out another cold film companion podcast this is chris for the cfc signing off